Taylor picked in the first round out of Florida back in 98. Now Garrard throws him. That's caught by Jones Drew. He's inside the 20, inside the 10, and Jones Drew in for the touchdown. Maurice Jones Drew, who had that 96-yard run back to take him down to the one, once Taylor scored on the opening drive, goes 43 yards on a third and seven. Minus three with Dave Damashek and Jeff Schwartz. Do it, fellas. Hi, and hello, sports fans. Welcome to another grand episode. That's right. I'm calling my shot like Babe Ruth in the 32 World Series. I know it's going to be a grand episode. Welcome to Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make sure you tune in all season long for exclusive offers and odds boost. FanDuel, more ways to win. How do I know it's going to be a good one? Because I am looking on my Zoom. You're just probably listening to us. But I'm looking at one Jeff Schwartz and Eddie Spaghetti, both ready to roll into a weekend filled with football at least and maybe some NBA draft consideration. We'll have to talk about that. But let's focus on football as we get ready for one of our great pals um, here in uh, in sports media and even outside, Maurice Jones-Drew coming up to help us chop up the Steelers and Jags game, not to mention, maybe we'll get into a little UCLA, Oregon Ducks action for Jeff Schwartz, and even Mitchell Schwartz's Chiefs are facing, facing Maurice's Raiders on Sunday night. So much to kibitz about. How are you, Schwartz? I'm good. I am um, excited for the weekend of football. You mentioned Oregon, UCLA this weekend, big game for, for the Ducks. And uh, we got chickens back again. So, uh, oh, you did? Dream. Yeah. How many? Yeah. Four. They're not as cool though, man. They're just a little aloof. They're, I don't. I don't. I don't really like them. Schwartz had, uh, in case this is the first time you're tuning in here, Schwartz got himself four really furry chickens, and they put them in the backyard. Even though he already had two kids and a wife and a nice pool and a seemingly idyllic lifestyle. My wife got the chickens. I know it made no sense. That's I think that's what they call gilding the lily or something like that. You didn't need them, and. No. Um, Mother Nature or Father Time or I don't know who uh, uh, dealt you a a tough message or dealt your yeah, wife or somebody. Yeah, the, a trash panda did it. Yes, a raccoon got uh-huh. in the chicken coop, and uh, unfortunately, the chickens were no longer. And I spent four hours. My my city ass from Los Angeles spent four hours reinforcing a chicken coop this weekend with chicken wire and zip ties. All this crazy nonsense, staple guns, and I'm just—I'm out of my element. My back hurt afterwards. Like I'm just—I'm just—I'm too prissy to be doing that. I know you don't. It's funny from an offensive, a 387-pound <laughs> man. Um, the uh, that you're too prissy for it, but I don't know. I, I didn't ask you this because I, I felt like uh, it was—it was too soon to ask this question. But who cleaned up the mess left behind by a raccoon devastating poultry like that? on your property that had to be a, we, a gory scene no it wasn't it wasn't much blood man we just picked up the chickens and put them in trash bags oh really yeah we i guess i'm what's a kid raccoon it's not that uh the raccoon just literally went there to murk them that was it there was no yeah. there's no sole purpose it wasn't eating the birds like it just was i mean we assume it knocked open a latch on the back of the chicken coop where the door comes open to grab the eggs from the little hen house the covered hen house and it just knocked open the latch it's that's now zip tied shut um and but we got we got them back we got four chickens back got some eggs so we're well, about the future before we get to maurice here um 
real quick, I um, I I, w- I wonder if there could be a raccoon v chicken type effect with Ohio State Buckeyes um, and the Indiana Hoosiers coming to town. Let's start there. That's my alma mater. And you say you're a city boy. You know what's weird too about that? You grew up in L.A. I grew up in Pittsburgh. Then I went to I lived in Chicago. Um, now I'm in L.A., went to Indiana University and all that. Uh, nothing prepared me in the run-up to moving to Los Angeles because we're in a city, and yet it surprised me to learn if you have a dog or whatever, like a little dog, you can't let it out in the backyard because coyotes might come get it. Yeah we, we, yeah, we have coyotes too, yeah. That's weird. Also, skunks. Sometimes skunks start knocking around in the hills as well. You, you, have, a, you have a small dog if you're worried about skunk. You should not have that dog then. Well, no, no, I don't have a dog, but I, but okay. I, I did once in, on my property see a skunk right by the front door. It really spooked me, but good. What's a skunk doing around? I was, one day, everywhere. remind me awesome to tell you. Skunks everywhere. You ever get hit by a skunk? With the odor? Yeah. No, I have not. I've not had the pleasure of that. I feel like you you seem to have a story. Maybe well, maybe for another time, because we have to get to Maurice Jones Jr. I know we do. I know we do. I'm well, the Indiana, love skunk. I lo- Remind I lo- me to tell you about the, why I'm the love skunk. I'll tell you I'll, that tale oh, at another, another, I, another I, day. I, I, I love Indiana plus 20 and a half, by the way. Do you really? Um, why? Yeah, I hey, explain yourself. Um, uh, Indiana's defense is, is the reason why. Uh, Indiana's defense is really good. They're eighth in the country right now in yards per drive. They're 15th and points per drive. They're 12th in the country in three and out percentage on defense. So they really they really stop the other team from scoring, which is important, obviously, when you play Justin Fields. And this is almost three touchdowns. You don't have to win the game to cover, right? you got to keep it close. In Indiana, the best they've played in years now. And there's no fans you know, in, in, uh, in, in the horseshoe. So the atmosphere is not going to be quite as intense as it would be. If this was a nationally televised game Saturday night, Herbie and Reese, and you get the full crowd there. So right. I think all that plays into the hands of Indiana. Yeah. It's a 9.00 AM out here. I'll be up uh, nice and early to watch that. It'll be all done by high noon or thereabouts. Looking forward to that one. We'll get into the Oregon ducks game and everything else. Um, Real quick before we get to Maurice, and then we'll make our picks for pro football on the other side of that. Um, Schwartz, one thing you and I have kind of been bouncing around on text message a little bit is I don't know exactly what the explanation is for this, but it it didn't happen instantaneously to the Titans or the Ravens. um, And the Rams held on to beat the Seahawks, in fact, after Andrew Whitworth went down. But um, are these teams, I, I mean, to me, it seems that the Titans and Ravens are in real jeopardy, that suddenly the ceiling for how far they can go, yeah. they're going to make the playoffs maybe. I, you know, neither one's a lock for the playoffs at this point, as a matter of fact, especially whoever loses their head-to-head on Sunday. But what explains um, – uh, do, do you agree with that, that the, all this hand-wringing that I'm hearing out of Baltimore, like what, what happened to this offense? Yeah. Well, you lost a future Hall of Famer at guard, and you lost uh, one of the best left tackles, if not the best. Is there any way to – reasonably expect them to bounce back and be a real threat to go to the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't think they were a threat with Ronnie Stanley in the lineup. We saw them play the Chiefs already this year, right? And that did not go very well. There definitely is something to not having Stanley and Yanda and the right tackle, move the left tackle and the backup right tackle has been hurt. So there's been a lot of shuffling on that offensive line. You know, offensively, they're just a little bit off, right? Everyone, in, and Lamar said it, they, they know what we're doing and they don't have a big pass game menu. And now they're playing the Titans this weekend who remember the, in January, they went into Baltimore and won that game, had a great defensive game plan. So I think the Titans defensively will be ready to 
go. But here's where Ryan Tannehill struggled last four weeks. His completion percentage has dropped 15% the last four weeks without Taylor Lewan. It's a big problem. And when you can't run the football as well, they're, you know, they're they're guarding the tight ends. Adam Humphreys being out has kind of hurt them as well in the slot. So their offense just hasn't found the rhythm yet without Taylor Lewan. It's a big loss. They run a lot of times. Derek Henry, that left side of the line of scrimmage on those zone runs behind Lawan and Saffold. Lawan ain't there anymore, folks. Not good. And Whitworth, for the Rams you mentioned, that's not good either. Well, we'll talk to Maurice Jean-Jou about this. I think he's more positive than I am about the Rams long-term without Whitworth. But I've seen no evidence this year where backup left tackles come into games and the offense is still good. Um, okay, let's do that quickly. How are you, Eddie Spaghetti? Uh, I'm great. Um, you know, things are good for me this weekend. No Giants football, so I have less stress mm-hmm. with that. Uh, and my my Knicks uh, did take their homegrown guy, Obi Top, and uh, very you, excited about that. Are you they upset, though, about Mark Colombo losing a fight to Joe Judge? That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, well, well, the thing that people like like to make jokes about this and they're, they're forgetting or what they're not talking about is three weeks ago when the Giants surprisingly started playing better at offensive line. Um, you know, Andrew Thomas is a lot better. Shane Lemieux stepping in playing well. It was because Joe Judge himself at practice was now coaching the old line. And I believe uh, yeah. Mike Garofalo tweeted about this. So basically, Colombo was not really useful anymore for the team and i know that he's bringing in judge that is bringing in one of his pals googs to come in and help like consult uh with the o-line so when you're you know your judge took over his job he was useless like it's i understand why colombo was mad but yeah. dobbins line is undoubtedly playing a lot better so uh, interesting um i uh by the way on extra points with cousin sal and uh charlotte wilder um i stuck my neck out a little bit. I think the Cowboys are going to end up winning. Now all of a sudden the Giants are everybody's pick. I think the Cowboys. Well, here's why. You just hate my teams. You hate my teams. That's why. I don't hate your teams. I I, You do. I mean, I I like when Notre Dame is relevant. I do. I don't root for Notre Dame, but I I think college football is more interesting when they're in the mix and maybe uh, a threat to win something. But I like the Cowboys, even though they have those two wins, and it starts with Minnesota up there. I'm not buying this business about – the Vikes suddenly being a real player to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. I know there's not a a dynamite, dynamite high end team far above everybody else in that conference, but the Vikes, I just don't don't think. Obviously, they're not going to win the division. They're not going to be the number one seed. So that means three wins, probably two of which would have to come on the road. That's too tall in order for Kirk Cousins and company. I don't buy that. All right, let's uh, let's get to our guy here. Let's chop it up a bit with one of our all time favorites, a Wall of Famer. Here comes Maurice Jones Drew. 39-yard penalty. Maurice Jones-Drew is the running back, and he tries to burrow his leg into the end zone, and he does for the touchdown. There is a powerful guy, Jones-Drew. Yes, here he is, everybody. You watch him on the NFL. You listen him up in the booth with our main man on the Rams broadcast, J.B. Long, calling the action for the, for those Rams. Looking good some of the time in the in their new get-ups. Maybe we'll have time to talk about that. And also... Now a part of the helipod with my with my other guy, Dan Heli. Here he is. My I guess my all-time favorite Jacksonville Jaguar, Reese Jones Drew. What's the poop, fella? Shaq, man, I missed you. How have you been? It's been a long time. I, you're looking well. You're looking well, Maurice. How are you? Say hello to Jeff Schwartz. You remember Eddie Spaghetti? Yes. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I'm I love fantastic. your stuff on Twitter. Thank you. I appreciate it. Maurice, let, we have so much to kibitz about and uh, so little time. But the first thing I want to get uh, get uh, your thoughts on, or at least I already know what your thought is, 
I love the call because I said it on extra points a couple of days ago, and then I see you talking about it. Alvin Kamara for MVP. That's not that crazy, is it? Oh, it shouldn't be. I mean, Alvin Kamara, I want to say, is leading the league in scrimmage yards and touchdowns or possibly one of the two. I I forget which one it was. But, I mean, you see what Drew Brees is doing. He's not the Drew Brees of the last couple of years. They're leaning on their running game and literally him in the check down passing game. Uh, Michael Thomas has been out, and yet the Saints continue to thrive going forward. Um, You know, and it's always – you know, I'm always going to fight for the guys that don't have a cue in front of their position because everyone deserves – uh, some a little recognition. They always give the guys with the cue in front of their position a hundred million dollars, and then they give them all the excuses when they don't play well. And it's just like, look, Alvin Kamara played last year on one leg. He's healthy now, and look what he's doing. So, yeah. does this? I'm sorry. Like, how does this offense gonna? How's it gonna differ with Winston than, than Bridgewater? Are they gonna have to use Kamara even more now with Winston in the game? I don't think so. James Winston has a liver arm, so you may see a, a couple more shots down the field. But then also, they're not a, a, an aggressive offense where uh, like taking shots. So I, I, it's it's confusing to see how James is going to perform. Right? James is a guy who wants to throw the ball down the field, double coverage. He's going he loves throwing 50-50 balls. Uh, Sean Payton is more of a dink and dunk kind of offense. He, he's more West Coast Bill Walsh than any other team that I've seen. Uh, in the National Football League where they like to throw shallow crosses or slants a ton. So we'll see how Jameis holds up. Uh, but I still think the screen game is going to be important for us. You'll see Alvin Kamara. You'll see they'll probably harp on Jameis like, get the ball to 41 as many times as possible. I don't care how long Drew Brees is out. He's our number one weapon. So uh, hopefully they utilize him more in the passing game uh, with Jameis there. I mean, I don't want to get hot taken already here but let's get hot takey i what if james plays really well he's clearly as you say he's the better physical specimen at this point versus drew Brees. there's no way that sean payton could have a uh a conversation with drew come mid-december like hey nine great uh, great career man but you can see it too right uh, james is better than you at this point no i i mean i think if james plays lights out that that conversation happens in february march more than they would in December, right? I, they're loyal to Drew Brees, right? Drew Brees is New Orleans, what he's been able to do for that organization. They're going to be loyal to him. Uh, they're going to give him every chance to come back and be the starting quarterback. But if Jameis plays well over the next five five weeks, however long Drew Brees is out, like I expect Sean Payton to say, all right, well, look, we got our guy. Like, hey, 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 here we go. Drew, we'll let you go and take this 25 mil and be a backup. I, I hear it. Yeah. But listen, what you remember how this millennium started. They had a $100 million guy or whatever he was making in uh, in 2000 in Drew Bledsoe, and it wasn't Bill Belichick. It was the locker room. You ask Willie McGinnis and anyone else that was in that locker room at the time, and they, they we all knew it. We all knew it had to be Brady going forward in that Super Bowl, no matter what Bledsoe did in the title game. Schwartz, are they really? Is Cam Jordan going to sit there? Michael Thomas, anybody yeah. else is going to sit there and be yeah. like, oh, no, you got to go back to Breeze just because of everything he's done if it's plain that Winston is the better guy. Breeze is playing well, though, or has played well. So to Winston would have to play better than Drew Breeze. He's played fine. To he's not do he, this. Like, he hasn't been gonna, great. It's, it's not going to – Drew Breeze is com- the same as he's always been, completing like 75% of passes. I mean, is highly accurate, right? We've seen throughout the year he's getting better. Um, but I just – so Winston would have to be better than Drew Breeze 
to come back. It's not going to happen. Winston is not going to be what he was last year. That was look. He had, he had not thrown more than eighteen interceptions in any season. He's not going to throw. You know, he's not going to throw a pick a game. I think uh, when when he returns, but it's he's not going to be as good as Breeze. There's no chance this happens, Dave. Okay, I, I'm just I, like I said. I'm looking for some hot takes here, make some uh, <laughs> some turmoil to help Maurice's team, the, his new team, the Rams out. By the way, Maurice, how about it? Serendipity. Your last three teams, the Raiders, the Jags, and the Bruins, are playing me and Schwartz's teams. You got uh, you, you got uh, the Raiders playing Mitchell Schwartz's Chiefs. You got um, it, it, the um, Ducks playing the Bruins, and of course, you got the Jags playing the Steelers. So good times. This is perfect to have you on. But regarding Kamara, one more thing. Number 41, I think he makes it look good. What's the best running back number? And what's the worst running back number? I think worst running back number has to be like 37. It is bad. I agree with you. It's funny that we keep coming around to that one. 43 for a running back is like, oh. It's a fullback number. Yeah, it's just bad. Uh, Yeah, it's a fullback number. Um, But, you know, I'm always – I love the 20s. Uh, I love all the numbers. Even 29, I think, is a good number for a running back. Yeah, it's all right. Um, I rocked 21 my whole career until I got to Jacksonville. And I tried to stay within the early 30s. Like, I think probably the the highest 30 I can probably go would probably be like 34. Then after that, it's just like, I don't know if I want that. That's a sweet spot. 32, 33, 34. I don't think you can do any better than that. Now, what about – even I, I I don't know when Steelers fans turned into Boston sports fans and they're belly aching about an undefeated football team there on the banks of the Three Rivers. Your town, you remember that Maurice laid claim shorts to uh, to Heinz Field. He says it, he owns it now because yeah, I, his, hey, listen, hey, I know, I know, you don't have to yeah, tell them. They went in there in the playoffs. playoffs and that they was my winter home. You know, when the Florida got too hot, we just went up to Pittsburgh in the wintertime, and you know, and kicked our feet up on Dave's couch in Heinz Field and. Had a heck of a time there, you know. I, I don't care for that. Fi- I watched a lot of your guys' film. Andy Heck, the offensive line coach for yeah. you guys, came to Kansas City. I was a first year in Kansas City, and we watched a ton of your film on how to block God's play. He loved God's play, power. We were terrible at it. It broke his heart. We were very bad at running power. He hated it. But we watched a ton of you guys, especially in that playoff game. You ran power to death in that game. Yo, that's all we ran. I mean, that was Andy Heck's thing. Uh, doubles and pull. When you have a guard that can pull around and read the hole, like you were, you were solid. Um, I have to say this, though, Shaq. We've been gone so long. I've actually sold a lot of the real estate that I had in Jacksonville mm. and in the Bay Area and in L.A., and I decided to move to Kansas City. So um, – I'm a Chiefs fan. This is what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I've converted to be Patrick Mahomes and company, you know, Eric Benamy, Andy Heck. I just, Andy Reid. It's just so much going on there for me to thrive. Why not just leave everything and just hop over with them? So I'm I'm Well, I know you. I know you share the agent with Lev Bell. I, I hope they blew in a call to you, or I hope he tried to package you with Lev. Okay, you can have Bell, but you also got to take Maurice, too. And let the you know, and then they can figure out who's the second string and third string. Since we're going to break news, I might as well tell you this. Uh, during the quarantine, I got a call from one Eric Bieniemy who was joking, but he might have been serious when he said, "Hey man, we got young back. Do you mind coming out of retirement to be a player coach?" And I was like, "Well, you know, we're, we got to be talking M's here, not 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 league minimum." You know like, if I'm going to coach and play, that's going to cost a little bit of extra. I uh, decided not to do it because my body, I just didn't feel like getting hit anymore. But. I want, yeah, guess what? I want you to do that because stay nice with him. Stay good with the enemy because he ain't going to be in KC for very long. He's going oh, somewhere no. this offseason. Yeah. Maybe Maurice can slide in neatly to, uh, I don't, let's not take running back coach. 
don't you just be the OC? You know, that, that that's not a bad idea. Consultant. Consultant, check. Okay. Yes. Consultant okay. never gets fired, and he's never wrong. <laughs> and, he never had, and he can stay at and home and watch film. That's right. No, I, I talk to Miami once a week, so uh, it's awesome. It's uh, I, To be honest with you, like, I just love the way the Chiefs play. And, I, and I've said this because hey, we're because the Jags are playing Pittsburgh Steelers, and I I have the Pittsburgh Steelers going undefeated this year. Do you really? And I'm gonna tell you why they don't play a tough game back to back until the end of the season, and that's when it's kind of you'll be 14 and 0. You play the uh, what is it? The Colts, the, the the football team, and then the Colts they, possibly. Right. I, I forget how it goes. Then they but, finish up in Cleveland, which the Browns might need that one. That game right. could be hugely important to them. But if you're fourteen and zero, you have those last two games. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna make sure you close it out. Um, so I have that's I have them doing it. But with that being said, I say that in saying that I still don't think they're the best team in the National Football League because the way the Kansas City Chiefs, in order for them to lose, you have to score for that. You have to beat them by scoring forty points. And people are like, oh, you're crazy. People from Pittsburgh are like, you're crazy. I'm like, they literally lost one game, and it was 40 to 32. Like, yes. You have to score 40 points. Yes. And if you haven't scored 40 points this season, it's going to be tough to beat them. And uh, and as much as I love the way, like, I again, like I said, Pittsburgh's going to get the one seed. They'll be the, the top seed going in the playoffs. I don't know about that, Maurice. And by the way, I you can imagine, I'm I'm really frustrated by the fact that that if they slip up at all, the Chiefs aren't going to lose more than one more game the rest of the way here. So no, let's say they're – well, I mean, if the Steelers – talk about uh, how 2020 has been vexing on on many levels. If the Steelers wind up 15-1 and one and a two-seed, I'm officially going to be pissed off about it. That, that, would, that <laughs> would be crazy. But then again, it will be an even greater advantage if they're the only team with a bye and the Chiefs have to play yeah. in wildcard weekend. It's, uh, it's a massive difference. But – with what you're talking about, and with regarding, I flipped the switch recently, Maurice, and in fact, a big announcement for everybody. I've decided now that the Steelers do have a chance to go undefeated, and I'm good with it, even if they even if they lose in January, because the Patriots already went undefeated and then lost in the Super Bowl, so there's a precedent. It would be cool to say we're one of the three teams in history that went undefeated, so I'm okay with that if, if, if that's the way it goes down. Although it would be embarrassing if they got whipped by three touchdowns by the Chiefs come January and they were undefeated, but still. Chiefs still have, by the way, at Tampa, at Miami, at New Orleans. Okay, two of them. Yeah. Um, but you, you talk about exactly what I wanted to ask the U2 pro football players about, a running back and an offensive lineman. This thing of like, am I in the 20th century by saying, like a lot of people are, the Steelers, the the yeah, but to this undefeated team is that they aren't running consistently at all. They're, they're really having a hard time running the ball against anybody. Is it a must in 2020? Or can you do at least what in our brains is true that Bill Walsh and Joe Montana played keep away by throwing short passes? And really, Tom Brady, since the Randy Moss era, that's really what they've been ba- – uh, that offense is hung on, too, is James Wider, Shane Vereen, and Julian Edelman short passes. Can you survive in the era of the mighty Chiefs if you can't run and finish them off with a big first down on the ground in the waning moments of the game? Well, I know Jeff knows this. The Chiefs don't believe that they could do what they did last year again. That's why they drafted a running back in the first round. Mm-hmm. They, they were like – we can't do this again. We need a dominant running game. And as you saw against the Buffalo Bills, 
in Buffalo where they took away the passing game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was able to rush. Now, I don't – again, the Chiefs defense is nowhere near the tier that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is, and that's what gives uh, Pittsburgh a saving grace that, yeah. yeah, Ben can throw the ball over the yard and they can get turnovers and sacks and they can play from with the lead, but eventually they're going to have to close out some games, and that's where the concern is. Um, but there's, I don't, I don't see another team making the playoffs, at least in the AFC, with that type of defense. That I mean, the Dolphins they get turnovers because they go zero pressure and they, you know, they overload your protection. But Pittsburgh can rush three and four and get to you. They can rush five. They can blitz and they play zone behind and they have the ability to get interceptions. So it may work out. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, as a running back, I would love to see Pittsburgh go back to what they were when we played against them. But if this is what it takes for them to win and Big Ben is letting it rip and the defense is playing the way they're playing, let it go. Well, the age-old thing, or age-old, the 21st century formula is get to the QB with just four guys and and get even Patrick Mahomes, who who has to hold it for Tyreek Hill to clear. He has to hold on to it for an extra tick there to do it. And if Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt and the rest of those guys can get on 15, a tick and get him throwing the ball a tick earlier. Minka Fitzpatrick's back there to clean up uh, any mess there. I, it, the, I'm not saying that the Steelers or anyone else would ever be my pick to defeat the Chiefs in 2020, but I feel like the Steelers are the best constructed to do that if they have a chance. Schwartz, how say you? I've said this the entire time. You know, I know a, you I, have. I'm just asking Pittsburgh you again. Was, Pittsburgh was the team that I bet on as a long shot to win the Super Bowl just for this exact reason was their defense was really good and they have the recipe to slow down Mahomes. But, but Maurice brought it up, though. They also have to score 40 points. And where are you getting 40 points from? And we talked about this, Dave, last weekend. And Steelers fans hate when I say this. It improved against the Bengals, but they got to get more explosive down the field passing. Like They have to find ways to generate bigger plays on offense. Rushing the football is great. It's all good, but they got to find ways to get the ball down the field. Specifically, if they play the Chiefs, for example. If they're in a situation to run out the clock, the Chiefs' rushing defense is not good. And and by the way, it doesn't have to be good because they're always ahead in game. So teams in the fourth quarter are always passing the balls. I'm not concerned. Everyone says, oh, the Chiefs' rushing defense. Okay, sure, great. But how many games are they playing against a team that's trying to run the clock out? doesn't happen very often. So in the exact situation where Pittsburgh's up one point with two minutes left, they would be okay against the Chiefs, be better than other teams. So I'm okay with the way both teams are kind of structured right now, but Pittsburgh has got to get themselves a, a explosive passing game they can rely on each week. People always talk, though, about that, um, you know, the the need to run the ball and, you know, the reason people do run the ball uh, more in December and January is because of the weather and all that. And I guess that's true because if you watch Sunday night football, that's what ends the undefeated season for the Steelers if or any team that can't run the ball when they have to. It starts raining like that, and, you know, the game is – well, then you're not winning by throwing the ball. You can't do – if the sky's open uh, in that way, and that's what happens sometimes in January. So that's that's my concern with, uh, with them. Mar- uh, Maurice, I, I'm sure you saw this stuff coming out of uh, Spaghetti's team with the Giants. Joe Judge and uh, Colombo maybe throwing hands, maybe not. I don't know what exactly happened there. And then it's like, well, Colombo's an offensive lineman. He should he should be able to beat up uh, Joe Judge. I was thinking about this. Is there anybody, because you always talk about the Jags, you had some nasty guys on that team. That was the difference. That You had some, you, you, you need Pushes. some guys that toe the line and hold the locker room together, but you need, to, you need some dogs in your locker room, right? That's what you always talk about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Naoli, uh, Marcus Stroud, John Henderson, Mike Peterson, 
Fred, Fred was a guy that, you know, what's funny as quiet as Fred was, no one ever tested him. No one. What Fred said went Tony Pasos, as you talked about, um, we just had a lot of dudes, Vincent Manawai. Like we just had a lot of guys that were, you know, Greg Jones, tough. You always see Greg Jones is a guy you always have talked about with that. So offensive linemen and, and, and like Aaron Donald and Cam Hayward and, uh, you know, although I wouldn't want to mess with any of those guys. What guy in the league, even if somebody you played with, he doesn't even have to be there anymore. Is there any non-line of scrimmage guy that could win a fight among all pro football players? Because it's too easy to just throw out the biggest dude on the O-line and say that guy would uh, would whip everybody. I'm sure, I'm sure there's guys that have boxing or something in their background or, you know, guys trained differently. Like, I, I just, I'll just say this because Eddie Spaghetti needs to hear this. Um, I was down on the Giants. It's crazy because I still, they're still bad, but they're going to win. The, I, I believe they may be the one that win the East, right? The, after the, what they did to the Eagles. But I respect Joe Judge because he saw that there was a problem, right? And not a lot of coaches, because they hire their friends so much, go up and tell their boy, like, hey, you got to go, or we're going to bring this other guy in to help you out. I respect that. That means he wants to win. And if Colombo wants to throw these hands, hey, let's let him go, and then you're going to get fired. I'm going to give him the guy your job anyway. So, um, you know, you got to handle things certain ways. And, and, and so many times, and Jeff, you know this, you've had coaches where you're like, why is this dude here? Oh, yeah. Like he's not helping us, and the coach knows he's not helping us. But they don't fire him. They don't try to make get get him better. But they tell the players, "You got to get better each week." Well, oh, yeah. I respect Joe Judge for going out there saying, "We got to get better coach for our offensive line to help them play better," and then making that move. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to think of a guy that wasn't the line of scrimmage guy. I, I feel like I feel like Cam Newton would be able to beat oh, up yeah. every QB. He could beat up at least yeah. all the QBs. Cam Newton could beat up half the defensive guys because he weighs two hundred fifty so pounds. Like that, that's, that's right. not fair. Um, I'm trying to think of like who I'm. It's I mean like like a, I don't. Know, I'm not sure Gronkowski's much of a fighter, but like he's ginormous. I mean like for a time, I mean, he's got he's got weight and height and arm length in a mythical fight. I wish you would have told us this beforehand. I would have thought about who I'm trying to think of who who's your guy. Dave, I don't. Well, I just. I just threw gonna up. Like some, it's gonna be like some Steelers guys from like the. Yeah, like, well, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to mess with Bud Dupree. I wouldn't want to mess with Bud Dupree or Vince they're Williams. Both of those guys. They're defensive huh? linemen. They're supposed to be like that. They're not defensive. Anyway, listen. Okay. Oh no 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 no! Stop 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 stop! We're not playing this game anymore. Okay. An outside okay. linebacker that's on the line of scrimmage and rushes the football is a defensive end. I, I, it's just, it's, I hate this more than anything in football, how we designate these guys that play 95% of their snaps on the line of scrimmage as outside linebackers. It goes the same thing for offense. How is Darren Waller a tight end? He is a receiver. I am yes. not covering him with a, with a, with a linebacker. Corners only for Darren Waller. And if you want to keep covering him with linebackers, you should lose your job. Because guess what? He's been a receiver his whole life. And they just said, you know what? We're going to give you an 80s number and put a tight end at your position. Jordan Reed, the same thing. All those dudes, they're not tight ends. You have to cover them in the same. So when we would play a team like Pittsburgh, we had a five-down call. Yeah, because there's cool. no reason for a guy like me to be blocking T.J. Watt or right. Bud Dupree. There's no reason for that, right? So at least when I was playing with James Harrison, there's no reason for that. So we call a five-down call, and I'd have the two backers that I could block uh, it was Farrier and uh, Foot. Yep. I can handle those two dudes. Everyone else, do your job. 
Uh, same, it's same thing now. I mean, any three, four under team, they're just going to block five down no matter what, because again, you don't want your running back on a pass rusher and you want them on the inside guys because you can see them coming first of all, and it's only going to run cross dog. And it's, you know, you just, so you just, you're able to figure it out that way. It's, it's so silly how we do the pro bowl voting too, right? Like they take outside linebackers and put them with, with off the ball linebackers. They don't play the same position. Yeah, but they do. I mean, as it really is, it sounds awfully cynical, but I think it's true. They do. They call Darren Waller a tight end, so they don't have to pay him as much. Is that not? Yes. Am I? Am I? That like, if he is categorized that way at contract time, they're like, ah, oh, you're a tight end, though, man. Like, uh, yes, I, I don't know why the player level doesn't push back harder at that. Well, it's the same thing with the outside linebacker, right? Yeah. They're like, well, you're the highest paid outside linebacker. Like, no, I'm a D end. I need to be paid like the highest D end, but. That's neither here nor there, Shay. All right, Maurice. Wrong? I want to talk. You say, uh, th- like you just said, this coach isn't helping us. I, Doug Marone's had his moments, but what about? It seems to me that they have that that between Caldwell and Marone, they've overvalued. The, I know you 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 enjoy the cons and everything, but it seems like they've put more faith in those two than they have. They've this potentially generational defense, a team that really would have maybe won the Super Bowl? That's a good question, by the way. Do you think that Jags, if they survive that Foxborough game, that Miles Jack touchdown counts, they go to the Super Bowl. I've asked Chris Long this. He said there's no chance that the Jags – we would have obliterated them, says no. Chris Long. Not what do you think point. happens in that one? The, the one? the funny thing is, is the Jags had something that no one had at that time. They could get to the quarterback, right, and their defense, all that throwing, the wheel route, all that stuff they were doing – it wasn't going to work. Um, I think that offensively it would have it been a challenge, but New England didn't run the ball at Philly the way that they had, right? Like the way the Jags would have, and you have a running quarterback. Um, I don't know. He was just hot too at that moment. Like He really was. He was almost – he wasn't Flacco level hot, but it would have really – He got um, – I don't know. I mean, Philly won it, so it happens, but I, I think the Jags definitely would have. That's my bias. But look, So let me say this about – the uh, Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone. And, I, and this is what I truly believe. They, not many GMs and head coaches get a chance to redo what they've already done. Right. So Tom Coughlin comes in, you're with Gus Bradley. You want these loud, you want to be Seattle, right? Seattle had a bunch of personalities and, and they won the Super Bowl and went back to, to another one. And guess what? That almost worked in Jacksonville. It was, it was this close. Um, normally when that doesn't work, they fire everybody and the new coach comes in and goes, well, they've allowed Doug Marone and, and, uh, Dave Caldwell to kind of try to redo this thing, but that's it. Like, like you won one game week one, you've lost the rest. And I don't see you winning any more down the stretch. Um, to me, it's just like that. It's it. It's over. Um, Oh, you think that, see, well, to me, if they did, if they allowed this whole, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Calais Campbell and so on and so forth to move out of the building, never to return. And at the end of 2020, then they boot Marone. Now that would really be loco. Who do you hope they wind up with, though? With what? Do you hope Fields or Lawrence or who do you hope winds up down there? I, so ball it's year? funny. I, this, again, I don't – I always try to credit college players off of what they do in big games, right? When you look at Joe Burrow, even though I was – Good way to do it. Joe Burrow threw the ball in the big game. Trevor Lawrence, when they – I don't know who they played. I forget they played in the semifinal game. He ran. Most of his big plays were run plays. Yeah. And that is like – I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, that scares me. Where Fields, on the other hand, he can run, but most of his big plays in those big games are throwing the ball. And that's what you want. 
That's what Joe Burrow was able to do. Yeah. Jalen Hurts was doing that at Oklahoma. He had the ability to run, but he was his big plays were coming with his arm. Um, so I would I would probably say I'd probably say Fields to be honest with you. I think they're going to take Fields anyways because the Jets are going to draft Lawrence. They're going to trade Darnold. You know who they're going to trade Darnold to? Since we're going to start rumors, they're going to trade Darnold to the Colts. Watch. Ooh, that's a good call. I like that. As a matter of fact, but reason. You draft Lawrence, Jags get uh, Fields, mark it down right here. I quote you all the time where Sam Darnold's concerned. I, I, Because I liked him. Uh, well, you and I both like Josh Rosen. We'll see what happens with that. I haven't closed the book on, uh, yeah. on Rosen yet. But Darnold, as you always said, was a pick machine in high school, was a pick machine in college. He still could be good and productive in the NFL. But if you expect him to suddenly be a ball control guy and not throw picks at the highest level, you're crazy. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where, and I was just fortunate enough to see him in high school before, right, and watch him. Um, but if that's what he does, so happens. My thing with Rosen, a lot of people, I get it. Like, he just hasn't gotten in. You know, he had that one year with Arizona. They were horrible. They had the one pick. He drafted a quarterback. So be it. I'm, I'm just waiting for him to get an opportunity where they believe in him and then they, like, try to help him, right? In Miami, it wasn't that way. It was like, all right, we'll see what you got, and then, you know, we'll go out there, and if you don't got it, it's okay. We have Fitzpatrick, right? Where you see him now with Tua, they're like, yo, Tua's our guy. We're about to make – like it wasn't like that with Rosen. So hopefully he gets into a situation. It may be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right, as he's on their practice squad right now. Maybe when Tom retires in, like, 15 years, Rosen can come in and get in there and make it work. I'm with you, man. Listen, if Alex Smith can do it and Jim Plunkett could do it 30 years ago, why? just because that is the arc of things these days doesn't mean uh, the guy, which is you draft him in the first round and he's yeah. immediately pretty good and you ride that guy. Uh, there's no reason to think that Josh Rosen, year five of his career, can't, uh, can't still make some hay there. Um, Maurice, Thanksgiving's coming up. Um, a big holiday for you and me. A quick food question for you that Cousin Sal asked me about, and I ask you this too, Schwartz. Do you agree with Cousin Sal that any sandwich is made better if you turned it into a panini? No. Ew. I see that's what my reaction was. No. Like, yeah, you can't, you can't eat he an was, Italian hoagie anymore. With that. He was very no, strong with that, that too, that. like – Corned beef pastrami sandwich. You're not it has its panini. place and time, but not, I mean, every sandwich. What are you talking about, right? I don't eat sandwiches really at Thanksgiving. I, I just leave the bread out. I just make like leftover plates, right? Like that. that's kind of what I do. I love the left the juice of the leftover greens, to be honest with you. It's, it's the Ugh. fact that the, the, the meat, whatever they, whatever meat they put in it is like really just got into the juice and then you're good to go. You don't like greens? I like greens. I don't like. I, I like greens. I don't like taking them out of the fridge the next day and whatever that residual juice stuff is. I don't like that so much. When you heat that up, my what goodness. I, no, what you do is what you do is listen to what Dave uh, Dave's tip for you. I know everybody likes turkey sandwiches, but a lot of people for whatever reason have not tried this before. Make sure you save enough gravy so that the next day you heat up the turkey. You put a piece of white bread down, then you put the turkey on top. And then you get some French fries. You can go to the store and get Orida if you don't have any in the house. Get some French fries. And then pour the gravy all over the sandwich and the fries. Gravy fries is a nice uh, Black Friday, you know, Saturday after Thanksgiving yeah. treat. Anything with fries is good. That doesn't work. Like, that's not, like, cool. You I, may, well, you know, you're going to do something big. So like, I, 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 how, fries, I, just, just from a practical perspective, 
How are you going to hold a piece of white bread with gravy in it? You like, don't you hold it. You can eat something, a sandwich. You can still fork and knife it. Don't be difficult, Schwartz. Act that's like you terrible, don't know I, how I you eat that's that. A ter- that's a ter- it's basically just poutine, Thanksgiving poutine, American Dave poutine for Thanksgiving. No. Kind of like that. Yeah, it is like that. Listen, now I'm hungry. Well, let's get, let, Maurice, let's get a sandwich or otherwise somewhere in Culver City, sooner we, rather than later. We can definitely shake. Just hit me. I'm around. Um... You know, they're about to lock us back down, so. Better hurry up. I know. Well, Maurice, keep on rolling with them Rams. Schwartz and I were both not believers. I thought, man, this is, this is, I did say before the year, this is the big year for Sean McVay. All that boy genius stuff, that's now two years ago. And if they don't, as you as you just were kind of talking about Caldwell and and Marone in, yeah. uh, in Duval County, like, okay, they had their run. Now they're getting to build it back up. He better come through, McVay, or there's going to be some real cynicism there. And so he has now. That team's looking good. I, w- I was a serious skeptic of it, but good for oh. you and uh, JB having a good time. Well, Jeff, you you understand this. Each team matches up certain ways. Remember when the Rams played Pittsburgh last and they got their teeth kicked in? Yeah. It's a horrible matchup for them. But down the stretch after this Monday night game, every other team matches up perfect with them. The Patriots may give them a little bit of trouble because yeah. they're a downhill run team. But every other game, the Cardinals, the banged-up Niners – the Seattle Seahawks again, the Jets, all great matchups. So expect the Rams to keep rolling. The only concern I have is Andrew Whitworth is out for at least the, the rest of the regular season. And great. Jared Goff is not as good under pressure. And Whitworth, we know, has done a great job over the years of protecting him. We saw the pressure rate even pick up against Seattle when he was out. And you're right about this weekend. Not not a good matchup with, with no Whitworth. And and they did the, the Rams during this. It's their fifth trip to Eastern time yeah. zone. The fifth crazy, time right? in 11 weeks. That's crazy. So I'll say this. They drafted Joseph Noteboom a couple of years ago yeah. to be the heir apparent to Andrew Whitworth. And they thought Whitworth was going to be done like years. two years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. So they were playing with house of money. The other thing is with Whitworth, when you run to the left, and as you get older, we know offensive linemen tend to they open the gate sometimes and they yeah, like turn the their best, yeah. hole. That's what Andrew Whitworth has done. Now, when his run away, he's been dominant. I mean, he has blown guys five or six yards off the ball. I just wonder with Noteboom now, will they get a little bit more stretch? Because he'll be able to like remove that defensive end a little bit better than uh, um, Whitworth. But in the passing game, they're going to do a ton of play action pass, and we'll see how it. I mean, he, he's going to get thrown in the fire this week, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, all right, Maurice, great times. Best to our guy Helly. Uh, glad you two hooked up and are doing the Helly Pod. Um, and uh, make sure you check that out. All the work from Maurice on the NFL and otherwise. Maybe we get Aaron Donald an MVP one of these years too. talk about just honoring the best player in football. One of these years, it seems like it would make a lot of sense to do that. But uh, thanks for the time, Pally. And uh, Ike, I, maybe after this is all done, we can do it. Cause we did talk to Ike uh, a couple weeks ago and reminded him. Of the, well, we told him the, the, the business, uh, his business decision at the goal line in a playoff game, he refused to tackle Maurice cause he didn't want to take the hit at the goal line. So that's cause he was hit. That's cause he was D up our receivers all game. It was I unbelievable. See. I'll say this much. I want the fans of people of Pittsburgh that watch this. I hope you guys go 16 and no, I think it's, it's important that that team does it because what they did last year didn't get enough recognition. And we talked about it right. Going eight, eight with, with duck Hodgins. I mean, that that should have been like, all right, look, what does give you a ticket to the playoffs because you did that, right? If there's such so, a thing as a two year, like they always talk lifetime achievement award for coaches and everything when they when they do when they give them a coach of the year thing, but really the the two year sample size of Tomlin doing that with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, and now this with a future Hall of Famer and being able to flip a switch and adjust to 
the differences in those two teams. He definitely should. I mean, Brian Flores, if that team wins that division, though, ends up stealing uh, coach of the year. And I think no right way. now, not even close. They win that division. They win. <laughs> I think it was undefeated. Well, they go undefeated. Yeah, right, right, right. Coach of the year. All right, Maurice, listen, great times. Always uh, fun kibitzing with you, and we'll do it uh, hopefully face-to-face from six feet away and bemasked and otherwise. Uh, but well, in the meantime, we're eating sandwiches. You know that, right? That's a good point. But see, that's why the gravy. That's when the gravy comes in short. You just like it, the gravy just – you drop it's it okay, like somewhere you know, in your cheek. What, what is the saying? If it doesn't it get all over the place, it doesn't belong in your face? That's okay. Gotta, I'm good with that. That's right. All oh, right, you enjoy your game. What's that? Oh, the pie off. I know. We got to figure out pie off. We got to figure out pie. It's hard to do from a socially distance, though. How am I going to take a bite of everybody's pie this way? We just got to send it to you. Okay, we'll figure it out. We'll figure that out, Maurice. Thank you for your concern. Thank you, bud. Great catching up, pal. Oh, what a mensch. What a fella, right? It's fantastic. I love it. He he really is a lot of fun. Um, Schwartz, yeah, we got to figure out pie off. We got to figure out what we're going to do here. I don't know. We got to figure that. But first, I think... It's important to mention as we head into this weekend because we have, we have not mentioned it yet. It's good to know. We have a lot of our followers know. We have a boost bet this week with the Steelers plus, no, sorry, minus nine and a half at plus 100 against Jacksonville. We're going to make sure people know fanduel.com slash minus three. So you're right. But before the pie off, we have to get the information out to the people, Dave. When you're right, you're right, Shorts. Um, I appreciate you picking up the slack. Um, on that one, uh, before we do pro football, let's do two Saturday games uh, still on the board that uh, are intriguing for, I guess, national championship implications with so few teams actually even playing at this point. I saw Clemson's numbers is something literally like 35 it's or something. 35 against Florida State, yeah. Against Florida State. Imagine being a Flo- – we have to have that conversation, Shorts, because it's not just college teams, but I do think – the boosters of college football teams are the most sort of um, susceptible to this weird phenomenon of like that, that when, when, when you denigrate them, they're like, you hate us. Cause you ain't us. It's like, no, you haven't been good in 15, 20 years for us. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody's scared of you at all anymore. Um, I think that I, it occurred to me, we, we need to put our proper list together uh, of, of who those teams are in all of sports. Um, but I, I think the best one in college football is given the amount of money. Do you know the the best, the most well-funded program pretty close to year in and year out is Texas A&M? Yeah. Really? Imagine being a fan of Texas A&M. They never, they never to, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of a time in the last 30 years where it was really close to them winning a national championship. Never. Now, they've never, I mean, obviously they've never been anywhere near the the bcs game but even before that i don't remember them playing on new year's day in the cotton bowl no, and thinking like oh if they win this they they have a path to wind up number one tonight yeah it's never it's very strange anyhow um the big 10 is still going for now wisconsin is at northwestern the wildcats undefeated plus six and a half how say you shorts uh, I'll take Wisconsin here minus the six and a half. They're just better than Northwestern, and they're going to kind of run all over them. I think. I just think again, the home field. There's no home field advantage. And anyways, that game would have been 75% Wisconsin fans, anyways. So I, I'll go with uh, Wisconsin here minus seven and a half. Oh, okay, and a half, I'm, I'm with you on that one too. I think uh, they looked pretty good last week, so it's hard to go against that. And then also your Ducks hosting UCLA. Yeah. Ducks giving 13 and a half. I'll say you. So. 
as we've been doing this today, there's news that UCLA's quarterback might not play this weekend. Doran Thompson Ooh. Robinson might be in the COVID list. The line has jumped to 17 points now for Oregon. I would still take Oregon at minus 17, especially if DTR is not playing UCLA's quarterback. This has the potential to be a bloodbath, uh, some, somewhere around the range of like, like 55 to 20 if, if DTR doesn't play. Boy, you uh, you were all on that. You really were the duck whisperer last week. Uh, you were saying, do not uh, get overly enthused about those ducks. They always struggle at Wazoo, and I was watching that one and thinking, short said it. I'll tell you that. You can't they call them by two touchdowns, though. <laughs> I know, but it still was it. You, you still, it was I know, tough, ultimately, yeah. but still pretty good. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to the NFL here, and um, let's start it off. I don't know what's going to be with – COVID rearing its head once again here, but the Eagles and the Cleveland Browns, the number on this one, the Browns are giving three. Total on it is 47. How say you, Schwartz? So I really like the under here of 47. And look at the Browns. The last two games were in kind of bad conditions, right? Wind, cold, rain. The forecast originally called for that this weekend in Cleveland. I think it's died down the, the rain side, but they've scored six points and 10 points. Stefanski does not trust Baker Mayfield at all. He just clearly doesn't. Um, he's thrown for 130 yards or less the last two games as well. Philly doesn't trust Carson. Well, they trust Carson Wentz a little bit, I guess, but he doesn't He doesn't deliver, right? Both the Browns and, and, and Eagles are in the bottom third in the NFL points per drive as well. I think the under is in play here, under 47, because both defenses are pretty good. Interesting. Um, I like that pick. And like we talked about on our Monday night halftime hit that we do uh, on Twitter, make sure you check that out next Monday. Um, we talked about, though, we, we parked our cars in the same garage. Nick Chubb should have scored that touchdown, especially if he's going to run out of bounds. It made no sense for him to do that. But they are, um, especially with Chubb back, they do look mighty in the ground game. And um, yeah. again, the ego, I don't I, I mean, the, the, how many weeks we're going to keep picking against all these NFC East teams? Um, but at some point, I mean, the, the champ ain't going to be a three-win team. So at some point, these game teams yeah. are going to have to start pulling some games out. Um, all right, let's get your formal pick on this one, uh, Schwartz. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars. Undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. We heard Maurice's thoughts on where they can go. Um, do they have enough to win by double digits in your book? Total, did I say, is 46 and a half. Yeah, so our, obviously our bet boost here, Steelers minus nine and a half at plus 100. FanDuel.com slash minus three. So we've heard all week from Tomlin, despise the, despise, uh, despite the disparaging uh, remarks about the MAC conference for some reason, taking some real shots, pot shots at the MAC conference. They know they played really bad in Dallas as huge road favorites. Like they, they are fully aware that in this spot, they have let down many, many times. Now, I'm a little concerned with the Ravens on Thursday night, on Thanksgiving night, looming ahead. Because uh, I really want to take the Steelers here, like really badly. And I do think the Steelers will cover this game because, again, they understand that they played very poorly in this game. But it's one of those games I feel like the Steelers start really fast, Dave, and we have to hold on and hope Jake Loon doesn't have that backdoor cover late in this game. I still like the Steelers anyways. But I do wonder if that game against the Ravens on Thursday night uh, looms large in the way they play on Sunday. You know, I abide by a strict no-jive policy here. And I don't want to jive anybody. I know what I'm about to say is going to hurt some feelings for people who may look to me to be glass half uh, black and gold. But I can't do it here. I mean, you mentioned the Cowboys game. I don't think the Jags are going to win the game. I think the Steelers will probably survive this one. That Cowboys game would have gone differently 
um, if on the first drive, Chase Claypool wrangles a deep ball, they score a touchdown. And it's, as they always say, just don't give the Jags any hope. If they, if they can, you know, pour cold water on them in the first, uh, you know, eight minutes of the game, they should breeze. But I don't know. I, I, I says a 15 year old plague for Mike Tomlin. I don't see it ending just because they struggled a couple weeks ago. I think they're going to struggle again to survive a bum team on the road. I'm going to say fade Dave Damashek Steelers fans. I'm going to say Jags uh, plus nine and a half, believe it or not. Um, Tennessee, Baltimore, two of uh, the Steelers victims already this year. Now both really, if you look at the standings, if you wind up with eight teams um, because of COVID, then that's one thing. But if you wind up with seven, the loser of this game is going to kind of have to rally, or at the very least, they're no longer comfortably sitting in a playoff spot. And with the Browns there, you know, they're they're all these six and three teams um, grouped together there. And a head-to-head is going to be lost for one yeah. of them to, to the other here. Baltimore Ravens hosting the Titans, minus five and a half, total 50, uh, 49 and a half. How say you shorts? Yeah, Tennessee right now is a nine seed, the nine seed right now. Um, I lean toward Baltimore here ever so slightly. Um, I mentioned the Taylor Lewan issue, and, and Ryan Tannehill hasn't been great. Baltimore's defense is still good, guys. Um, and I think they're going to be able to, to pressure and get after Tannehill. Now, offensively, obviously, big concern has been Baltimore's offense. But the Titans, again, 31st on third down on defense. I think Ravens bounce back in a big way here. I agree with you. Um, I You know, Calais Campbell's a, obviously a gigantic difference maker for them. And they have... Yeah. Uh, perhaps the best back end in pro football and is in Gawkway, gets more comfortable. You presume he's going to be taking advantage of no Taylor Lewan. Um, I'm with you. I'm taking the Ravens in this one by a touchdown. Eddie Spaghetti, your pick on this one. I I don't know. I don't like the Ravens really that much anymore. To me, it's so funny of a team that has a Robert from the third as the backup. And to me, I don't know why my brain is just like, if is Lamar going to turn into the next RG three, like kind of like a flash in the pan and go away? Which I'm not trying to be a hot take. I'm just he's saying getting he's hit more that this way. year. That's for sure. You have, I've noticed in the yeah. last month, even he teams are catching him more than they ever did in, in two sure. years. And and their line, obviously, like we, we mentioned before, has a lot of issues. They they can't find the hot hand running back. They draft Dobbins. He's really nowhere to be found. Marquise Hollywood Brown is also nowhere to be found. I mean, he's getting like a decent amount of target share, but just not making anything with it. Uh, I I the Titans are just a well coached team, and they'll find a way to get through. I really trust in Vrabel. Tannehill hasn't been phenomenal, but um, to me, they're I guess more of a model of consistency in terms of how to win games and what the Ravens are. Because there's the Ravens are trying to figure it out still this year. I just don't like them going forward. I hear you, but as we and I mentioned uh, along the offensive line, you know they're they're two fifths down what was a dominant yeah. group last year. So that that I mean that's practically why they're struggling. Um, I I do feel like maybe I'm making this pick a little bit to self validate and to validate me and Schwartz since both of us and collectively took a lot of crap from Titans fans for saying Ryan Tannehill is is good. This is not. Uh, this is not the guy to develop it, to, to assert as your franchise QB for that level of bank for as many years as you're now committed to him for. And yeah. yet here they are. And, um, and maybe we'll be proven right as I, cause I, as I say, I think they are on a downward trajectory and will continue to do that through 2020. Um, Dolphins are at uh, Denver. I bring this one up quickly just to hear if you think the Dolphins are for real, Schwartz. Uh, the Broncos uh, this, are this uh, plus three are. and a half at home. This week, the, the, the Dolphins are because, look, 
Um, Broncos, it doesn't matter who they're playing at quarterback. They're just not a good football team. And I think this weekend, I'm taking the Dolphins here um, on the road to continue their win streak and, and cover this game. Spaghetti. I have no reason to pick against too. He's playing well. Dolphins are a fun team, really well coached team too. Maybe, uh, you know, the Belichick tree is finally going to show up. Another coach who could actually, uh, you know, go deep into the playoffs. Um, Jets and the Chargers. This one's intriguing just because how could any team, I mean, it's, I, I can't imagine being on the Jets at this point. I know that there's individual pride and there's contracts to fulfill and everything, but that the Chargers are giving another pro football team as crummy and as cursed and everything as they've been this year. They're giving a pro football team nine and a half points. How say you, Schwartz? Yeah, I, I'm not touching this game whatsoever. I, I I'm with you. I, I absolutely and with you're gonna you're gonna pick the Chargers to beat another pro football team by double digits, really? I'm, I, I'm not. No. So I'm I don't bet this game, folks. I think you're right. Flacco, away. yeah, it's gross. Uh spaghetti. I, I, I'm with Jeb. I mean, you stay away in terms of the gambling, but and I feel bad for Chargers fans because Herbert's been awesome. But I, like I said a few weeks back, the Jets will surprise one week. The Jets will win a game that they're not supposed to win a game, and this is a good opportunity for it because the Chargers are that team that will beef it totally. If that happens, this Anthony Lynn noise that's starting to emerge there. I see you, Schwartz, uh, talking a little bit about. Yeah. Um, that he's too conservative for this football team. It, it, it does make sense given the pieces they have. They could be um, suddenly – I think they. I, I don't think they intended to do that. I don't think Tom Telesco ex- it was looking to build a super explosive offense. I think he was looking for a, a shutdown defense to slow yeah. down Mahomes and company. But all of a sudden, if you look at what they have there, they could be one of uh, the more potent offenses. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that they would have to minimum change uh, OC yeah. in the offseason. Packers and Colts. Colts coming on, coming on just a little bit. A nice win against the Titans last week. Colts um, are uh, are they plus one and a half at home? No, they're minus. That's what I thought, but I it, it didn't. Somehow they wanted to trick me, and I couldn't uh, see the minus there. It makes no sense. Again, last week's line was fishy. This is fishy too. The Packers are the better team. They obviously yeah. have the better QB now. Yeah. How, again, are the Colts the favorite in this one? And the Packers opened up as two-point favorites in a move now. Um, my what concern with, my concern with the Packers, though, in this game is um, the Colts have the more physical offensive-defensive lines, and really they're very physical in defense. And the Packers, though, can kind of get pushed around. Hmm. And so I don't, I don't really like betting on Phillip Rivers ever, but I also don't think that the Packers physically can compete in this game. So... Um, I do think the Colts win this game. Jair Alexander versus uh, Ma- Michael Pittman. That's a fun matchup yeah. as much as they lock horns. That'll be a fun one to watch. And I do think Jonathan Taylor will keep coming on along with uh, um, with Hines there. Lastly, let's bring it on home. Sunday night football, Schwartz. I'm pretty sure I know where you're leaning, not out of bias. Um, Kansas City Chiefs going into Vegas. Plus eight is the home team Raiders. Tracking towards the playoffs, Derek Carr looking good. The defense looking good. They physically, I mean, the, Maurice brought up the 40. They they hung on the Chiefs the first go-round, but it was a punishing 40. It wasn't like uh, uh, Al Davis uh, moon balls that got it done. It was Josh Jacobs. I mean, it, I mean it, but it was, though. Derek Carr had six uh, passes over, 60, over 20 yards. The Chiefs averaged allowing two a game outside of that Raiders game. Um this is my favorite bet of the entire season, Dave. 
Really? I think the of Chiefs, the season, he says. I think the Chiefs go into into Vegas and just pull one on the Raiders and let everyone know that they are still the number one team in the NFL and they run the AFC West. Here's some numbers before I get into, into, into the reason why. Andy Reid off a of bye is 18 and three as a head coach overall, including the playoffs. He's seven and four against the spread as the Chiefs head coach off a of bye, including the playoffs. Okay. He's three and one with Pat Mahomes. The one they didn't cover last year uh, was two years ago, actually, I believe, in, in Oakland. Um, they won that game 40 to 33. They were about two, two touchdown uh, uh, favorites in that game. But here's why I think the Chiefs dominate this game. Remember, Chiefs are still number one in offense, DVOA, EPA, number six in pass defense. They're still a great team, folks. They're still a great team. Is that throughout the season, you need different motivation to get up each week, right? It's a long season, right? It's a long season. And the Chiefs at times this year have played a little lackadaisical and still won their games, right? They're 8-1, but not this week, Dave. The only loss of the season was against those Raiders. They had a poor defensive game plan that week against the Raiders. Pat Mahomes had his worst game of the season in the pocket that week against the Raiders. It was his own doing. It wasn't the Raiders' pass rush. He just dripped out of the back of the pocket. He admitted it. Lastly, after the game, the Raiders took a victory lap in their bus around Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs know all of this. You're going to see the most highly motivated Chiefs team we've seen the entire season. They're going to come in there, and they're going to get after him. Cleveland Farrell's not playing. Joyner's not playing on the Raiders' defense. I think it's the tune of, like, 45 to 20. And remember, Andy Reid has no problem running up the score. Remember 2016, Broncos, 20, 27 to 10. Don Terry Poe comes in the game, throws a touchdown pass, defensive tackle. He don't care. He'll run the score up. Doesn't care. 45 to 20, Chiefs win this game. And so that means you're going with the over as well, the 56 and a yes. half. Um, man, I you know what? I love it. And I am with you completely on this one. And you say it doesn't matter that much or players don't acknowledge this as much. I know fans obviously think this, uh, uh, look at it this way. If the Steelers win in Jacksonville, the Chiefs will, will know that that's the result of that game. That game will be wrapped up by four o'clock their time or where uh, well, they'll yeah. be in Las Vegas, whatever. It'll be one o'clock. They'll see the score. If they see that, they'll know, like, all right, the Steelers are now 10-0. Yeah, we have we have six some, games there, to catch them now, and we're two there, back there, of them if we lose this one. There probably is some of that for this. Like your your scoreboard watching a little bit in that in that in that one instance, I think, yes. Uh spaghetti quickly, Raiders or, or uh Chiefs in this one. It's funny because I was going into this game thinking like, wow, Raiders can keep it close. Derek Carr is like throwing at least two touchdown passes in most of his games this year. And like they, him and Gruden finally figured it out. But Jeff's uh, ran right there is like, yeah, he's probably right. The Chiefs are probably pissed off. Andy Reid has this game circled. They're going to put a whooping on him, I think. So I'm going to go Chiefs now. And uh, Colts minus one and a half at home against the Pack. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, the Colts are they have two bad options of running back with Wilkins and Taylor. And I think of the Packers defense knows that and they could focus on trying to stopping Philip Rivers. Hines, Rivers won't beat Hines, you. Hines uh, beat up on the Titans last week and and Taylor's not a bad option. He just had that bad fumble a couple. He's, of he's looking. People are comparing him ready to the Trent Richardson in terms of his finding his holes uh, with the offensive line. I don't love that situation there. I, I also am just in awe still of how Rogers been playing. So I'm going to go pack. OK, fair enough. Uh, there you have it, everybody. Another episode of Minus Three in the Books, a grand one, as I predicted at the very top of things. Thanks to Maurice Jones-Drew. Make sure you're checking out all his work everywhere. Jeff Schwartz doing game gangbusters work for Fox Sports. I'm Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. 
He is, I think, almost universally renowned. You heard Maurice say it when we uh, first brought him on there. Everybody in football enjoys Jeff Schwartz's Twitter feed and social media mm-hmm. feeds. So make sure you're uh, following those as well. Eddie Spaghetti doing great work. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, extra points for me with uh, with Sal and Charlotte Wilder. Thrice weekly, we'll have a new one of those for you to get you right for the weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on Monday night to get you ready mentally, spiritually, and otherwise for football and Thanksgiving, the grandest of all holidays. There's pie and there's gravy and there's football, all punctuated by the Steelers and Ravens. We'll see if the Steelers are planning to continue their undefeated season. Then, but until then, for Schwartz, for Spaghetti, and Maurice Jones-Drew, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.